Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Keep your Bibles open, that would be great. Well, friends, it's the gripping conclusion to our eight-week grace series, and I'm excited. It's been... Uh, great series that we've worked our way through. I want to pray for us uh, as we look at God's Word this morning, so please join me as I pray. Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you so much for your Word, for your goodness, for your grace to us in so many ways, most of all uh, in the Lord Jesus. Father, by your Holy Spirit, compel us to want to live for you wholeheartedly in every facet of our life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This sermon will be brief this morning because we have much to discuss uh, after this sermon with respect uh, to our grace series and our renewed vision and mission. Uh, So far we've thought about what it means to live in God's grace as disciples of Jesus. We've thought about how we pray because we depend on our gracious God for all things, for life ongoing, for salvation. Uh, for energy to rejoice in his name even, for energy for evangelism and mission. We've thought about what it means to rest in his glorious grace, to know that heaven is assured, that salvation is ours. We thought about that the idea that God commands us and helps us to rejoice in him always, and we are committed to growing as followers of Jesus by studying his word ourselves and then obeying it. And we also... Com- considered carefully what it means to live out God's grace by making disciples of Jesus, to seek the lost wherever they are in our little realms, to share the gospel, to share our lives as the Apostle Paul did uh, with people, to strengthen others, to not only be committed to growing ourselves in God's word, but to growing others in God's word as we gather for church and growth group and other ways. And this week, we're thinking about how we might serve. I couldn't help myself but put up a tennis pun. I'm a tennis player, I love tennis and this is my favourite player, Roger Federer, serving. And I, I, I can honestly say I'd love to give you all a lesson on how to serve, how to hit a flat serve, a slider, a kicker, but we won't do that this morning of course. It's not the kind of serving we're talking about, we're talking about uh, serving others in love of course. What was uh, the ultimate act of service that ever happened in the world. Mark 10, 45 talks about us, talks about it. It says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. And the climax, the pinnacle of his service to us was his walk to Calvary, his nailing upon that cross. His shameful, painful, gruesome death uh, for us on our behalf, 
that was his greatest act of service for us. And what an incredible truth that he did not stay dead, but he rose again in glory. What an incredible truth. We read this morning that it was Jesus' joy to go to the cross for us. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run, not walk, not crawl, run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Brothers and sisters, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It was Jesus' joy to obey his Father even unto death for our sakes. Consider that for a moment. It was Jesus' joy to die for you. If you can deeply grasp Jesus' love for you, his grace to you, your greatest joy will be found only in serving and honouring him. When we consider Christ, when we consider our ultimate destiny in heaven, to spend eternity in heaven with him, surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ and the angels singing God's praises for all eternity, when we consider this, as we gather around the Lamb who was slain and who is risen for us, you will not grow weary. You will not lose heart in serving with your lives today. On the contrary, you'll be eager to throw off anything that hinders your sin, throw off anything that slows you down from serving the Lord Jesus with your all. It is our honour and our joy and our privilege to serve our King. There are three broad categories that I want to talk about today in which we serve our time, our talents and our treasure. The two main ways, there are many, but the two main ways in which we serve together with our time as disciples of Jesus are committing to church and committing to growth group. That's how we serve together our Lord Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples not long before he was arrested, a new command I give you, John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must Love one another. There's a big command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It can't be half-hearted or it's disobedient. It has to be all in or we're not obeying Jesus. Committing to church means being here every week, ready to care for others, love others, ready to serve. Unless you're sick or on holidays, which lots of people are sick at the moment, me included uh, recently, we're committed. And it means turning up with the right mindset and the right heart for church. 
do we kind of flop into church whenever we get here and consume? Or are we prepared in heart to give when we come to church? I fear it's the former too much of late, friends. We have slipped into a nasty habit of being late for church on the whole every week. Quite late for church. We don't get here on time. We're not in our seats ready at 9.30. It's unloving to the band who've practised hard, who've got here early, who've set up, who've practised there ready every week to lead us in song. And largely we're not here for it. It's unloving to the new person. When you go to a church for the first time or second time, you're usually pretty nervous and you usually plan to be there a bit early because you don't want to be late because that makes you more nervous. And new people get here and there's no one here to talk to. It's unloving to the new person to be late. It's unloving to yourself and to your family to be late. Instead of arriving 10 to 15 minutes early, when I say arriving, I mean in the room, (laughs) not in the street. 10 to 15 minutes early, getting into a good headspace, a good heart space. The kids are sorted. If you've got kids, they're kind of under control. And you're ready to welcome new people to praise God in song, to be fed as we pray and as we hear God's word taught. Instead, we're bustling into church late and we're stressed because we're running late. Possibly you're cranky at the kids, whose only fault is being kids. Um, you should have been better, more prepared, perhaps even on Saturday night. We need to get prepared uh, if we've got kids for church, snacks, whatever. Should be parking the car at 9.15 at the latest. It's a little walk. If you've got kids, it's a long walk <laughs> from the street <laughs> to get in here. I know I'm preaching to the choir about how to organise kids if you've got kids, but we need to do better. And can I add that when you come to church, show your eagerness to learn. I apologise if you're in the back row this morning, but show your eagerness to learn and praise God by not sitting at the back, but sitting further forward. If you've got a pram or something or a child, kind of, it can, I can understand why they might be at the back and ready to make a quick escape at a moment's notice if they crack it. But otherwise, sit forward a bit. Again, it's loving to people who are late for good reason. They got it flat or the kid needs to get changed in the car on the way. It's loving to the new person who, again, is a bit nervous and possibly wants to sit at the back. Or they've mistimed things, they're running late, they want to sit at the back. Don't sit at the back. Leave the back two rows free, sit forward. Be keen and eager to serve and show that with your body. Secondly, growth group. Now... We had a big parish council planning meeting yesterday evening and we looked at the percentage of people who go to growth group and for Gledswood Hills, it was around 90%, which is amazing. Around 90% of us are in growth groups, which is brilliant. It's really good. Growth groups are really important. Growth groups serve three functions. One, we grow in fellowship with other brothers and sisters. Two, we grow in Bible knowledge. And three, we grow in our care of one another prayerfully and pastorally. It's been my experience that those in growth groups grow in all those ways, particularly in fellowship with others from church, and those who are not in growth groups don't, and they feel disconnected from the church and increasingly disconnected. So can I heartily 
encourage you to join a growth group if you're not in one. And can I heartily encourage you, if you are in one, well done to you. Commit to your growth group, to loving the others, to getting to know them. Uh, if you're interested in joining a growth group, talk to me. Clem's not here today. You can talk to me. Secondly, serving with your talents. You can serve in church, and the pathway to joining a ministry team in church on a Sunday morning is via our partnership course. One of the passages that we study in the course is Ephesians 4 on the screen. Speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together, whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Christ has blessed the church with faithful teachers of the Bible that we might grow in our knowledge of God, that we might build ourselves up as the church. It's all our responsibilities to grow the church. It's clear there, it's made explicitly clear uh, there, the whole body, every supporting ligament, each part, three times, we're all part of growing the body. And it's through word ministry that the body grows. This is all about growing in God's word. That's what happens every Sunday. The setup team get here at 8 o'clock, they pray, <clears throat> they put chairs out, so it's a whole lot more comfortable to receive God's word as it is sung, as it is preached. We have chairs to sit in, they help to set up the kids' uh, uh, church rooms as well, so the kids. Uh, can learn God's word. The children's ministry team teach the children God's word. The morning tea team come and they provide coffee and tea and snacks so that we can have conversations and speak the truth of God's word to one another in love. Sunday morning is a wonderful picture of the body of Christ building itself up in love and so are growth groups. No one wants to be the appendix of the body, do they? the kind of largely useless organ that can come out and we don't even notice. We just go on living. Can I urge you, if you call this church home, to serve. If you haven't completed the course yet, complete the course. Get amongst it. Roll up your sleeves. Thirdly, finally, serving with our treasure. That means giving money to church regularly, weekly, fortnightly or monthly. I love the story of the poor widow. Please open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. It's not going to be on the screen. Mark chapter 12. In verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. Friends, giving is not about your money, it's about your heart. Giving's not about your money, it's about your heart. Do you have a heart that longs to be generous to God? 
and a heart that trusts God to provide for your every need, just as he promised to do. 2,000 years ago, our Lord and Saviour preempted our greed and materialism and preached on money with a third of his parables. A third of Jesus' parables refer to money. It was a problem of the human heart then. It's a problem of the human heart still today. And if Jesus raises it, well, I'd be remiss if I didn't raise it myself. God is willing and keen and eager to provide for our every need. He's promised to do so. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Of course you are. The poor widow had little in her bank account, but much in her heart for God. And so she gave generously out of the little that she had. Jesus gave all of himself for us, and he asks for all of ourselves in return to him. He was rich towards us so that we might be rich towards him. I heard a saying for the first time yesterday, and it was quite striking. If you do not give generously in poverty, then you will not give generously in riches. If you feel like you just haven't got enough money to live off and so you can't afford to give to church, you never will, no matter how much money you've got. If you decide to give to yourself first and God second, you are spiritually immature. Not trusting in the generous promises of God to provide for you, despite the sacrifice of his very own son. Not giving graciously to God in return to his grace to you. Now, don't hear me wrong. If you've got a mortgage and kids, I know things are tight. I know, I I really do. (laughs) But I too know what it is to keep on giving 10% of my income when we were poor. And we did it just because that's what you do. That's what we were taught to do. And God blessed us so generously in so many ways. Mostly through his people. We were short on money on a number of occasions and we prayed God provide and people did. A guy at church, uh, where I was at church at Summer Hill as a poor student minister, noticed my tires were bald. Your tires are bald, yeah, I know. I can't afford to replace them. The next week he handed me 200 bucks in an envelope. God provided. God provides. Let me wrap up. As Grace Anglican Church, Glesworth Hills, we want to be committed to grace. Committed to receiving God's grace with open arms and full hearts. Committed to sharing God's grace with our church and with the community at large. We want to be committed to grace wholeheartedly, living in God's grace as his disciples, living out God's grace by making more disciples. Right now, we're going to spend some time reflecting on our series and together making a commitment uh, to grace. I want to pray briefly again, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up and have a wriggle.
before I talk for a whole lot more. So I'll pray, then we'll wriggle, then you'll get a form. When you get the form, you're not allowed to look at it until I say, okay? But I promise, if I was you right now, I'd be like, oh man, I so want to look at that form as soon as I get it. But please don't. Uh, Let me take you through it. Trust me on this one. I'm going to pray. Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you for your generosity to us. And Lord, we want to be generous to you in return with our time and with our talents and with with our treasure. We thank you for this body of believers together here in Gladswood Hills that we can work together uh, in serving you and what a joy that is. And we pray you work in us by your Holy Spirit. Move us uh, to generosity of heart toward you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.